Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block, allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router, And any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable, hosted by Kevin DeVries, on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. What's good, boys and girls? Two for the podcast. Today is Thursday. It is the 21st of September. Hope you're all well. Hope you're all having a nice, pleasant day and the weather is treating you well. We had some Champions League action last night, so let's get into that. Real Madrid won Union Berlin nil. A late, late Jude Bellingham goal 
giving Madrid a deserved win after a dominant performance. Galatasaray 2, Copenhagen 0. Copenhagen will be furious about this. They go 2-0 up, Al Yanusi and Concalves. Then Elias Jellert gets sent off in the 73rd minute. This game is in Turkey, remember. Sasha Bowie scores on 86, and then Tete equalizes on 88. And this was not a full-strength Galatasaray, it's worth remembering, because Zaha and Tete didn't start, Endembele didn't start, but they did come off the bench. Davinson Sanchez, I think, will come into this team and be a starter as well. But it was f- fairly close, and they should have won the game based on what the lineups were. But credit to Copenhagen, they came in really, really well prepared, really well set up. And for 70 minutes, they were excellent. Uh, Benfica nil, Red Bull Salzburg 2. Antonio Silva sent off in the 13th minute, completely changed the game. Rocco Simic scored from the penalty spot on 15. Oscar Gloch made it 2-0 on 51, and that was all she wrote. Braga won Napoli 2. Napoli go 1-0 up through Di Lorenzo just before half-time. Bruma equalises late on, 84 minutes, and then a Se- uh, Seku Nikata own goal on 88 gives Napoli a very fortunate win that they didn't necessarily deserve. Arsenal 4, PSV Eindhoven 0. Saka, Trossard, Gabriel Jesus and Martin Odegaard with the goals there. Arsenal went full strength. Look, Arsenal should have won this game comfortably. It's not a particularly good PSV team. There are some very good players in the squad. But anytime you're going into a Champions League game and Luke de Jong is the opposing number nine, you're going to be fairly confident. But a good result from Arsenal and their first really good performance of the season uh, Sevilla won, Lens won. Lucas de Campos put Sevilla one up on nine minutes. Uh, Fulgini equalized on 24. Even game, draw was the fair result. Real Sociedad won. Inter Milan won. Bryce Mendez scoring early for Real Sociedad, giving them the advantage. It was a strange game from there where it was bitty. There was some good football played. We had a red card for Nicola Barea, which was then overturned by VAR. And that really did give Inter a pretty big boost. Now, immediately after it, they almost conceded a second goal. But they did come back into the game. They did start to show their quality. And late, late on, we get the... Latura Martinez goal. Really good work from Vitezzi. Good finish by Laturo. And they get the win. Now, obviously, before that, Inter had scored and it was disallowed. So Inter will, will, will feel a little bit aggrieved not to have gotten the three points. But all things considered, I think a draw was the fair result. Real uh, Real Sociedad lost their composure a little bit after the goal and they got a couple of sloppy yellow cards. But I think they bounced back and I still think they'll qualify. Uh, final game then, Bayern Munich 4, Manchester United 3. How this game ends 4-3, I don't know, because Bayern were so far and away the better team. Uh, Sané scores on 28, Nabry scores on 32. 
Rasmus Hoysman gets a scruffy goal on 49 to get United back into it. But then Harry Kane scores in the penalty spot on 53. Casemiro, who had been absolutely abysmal, scores on 88. Then Matthias Tell makes it 4-2 on 92. And then Casemiro again on 95. Bayern have some issues defensively. I mean, Conrad Lamer should not be starting at right back for starters. Um, especially when you've got Nazar Mizrahi at right on the bench, who's a natural right back and a much better right back than Conrad Lamer. Lamer should have been in midfield instead of Goretzka, who was a non factor for me. But the big flaw there, unfortunately, is Upa McCann, who just hasn't developed the way he was expected to. And I don't like the partnership with him and Kim. They're both quick in straight lines. They're both powerful. But I think you need someone that's got flexibility, someone that can turn and go really quickly, someone that's a really solid 1v1 defender, which neither of them really are. I think if they could add, I mean, they tried to get Bella Kotchup. Now, he's error-prone because he's young, but he is that mobile type of centre-back who's got explosive short movements, and I think he would have improved them. You know who really would improve them is Trevor Chalaba. Chalaba next to Kim is a really nice fit, and I wonder if they revisit that in January. Since Paulinho's off the board, for January, I wonder if they'd go back for Chalaba because they could use him at centre-back. Because in a lot of games, they'll get away with Upa Meccano or Delict next to Kim. And they could play Chalaba as the holding midfielder for those games. But in games like last night, against pace and movement up front, you need someone like Chalaba in your defence and they need to start playing Masrawi. Musiala hasn't kicked on in the past 10 11 months, and that's a little bit concerning for me. I think the kid has all the talent in the world, but I do just wonder if he might be better off playing in a wide role than as a 10. For me, Sane and Nabri are both better on their natural wings. Tuchel is playing them as inverted because that's just what managers do. I'd much rather see Sane play left side and Nabri play right side, but what I'd actually like to see is Musiala play right side Sane play left side and maybe play Matthias Tell just off Harry Kane. You've got the Thomas Muller option. You could play Kingsley Coleman as a 10. You could play Goretzka as a 10 if you want him in the team and have that because his best actions are all in the final third. And having that big rangy presence as a 10 would also improve your press. And then you could play Lamer and Kimmich as the midfield too. Again, I think that's something they need to address in January. But Bayern are talented. There's no question. Goalkeeper is an, is a, is an issue for them. Uh, Sven Ulrich is, is not good enough to be starting for a team with ambitions to win the Champions League. He just isn't. I know they'll get Manuel Nauer back at some point, but last night, I mean, he should have saved at least one of the goals. And that could have been costly. Um, United will have their excuses, but the fact is they were outplayed and they just got they got fortunate with their goals. If that game had ended four one, 
I don't think they really could have had many complaints. But the fact is, they had three shots on four shots on target and scored from three of them, which confirms what I'm saying about Sven Ulrich. Um, nine shots for Bayern on target and four goals, which, I mean, Onana's had a horrible start to life at United. I think that's 19 shots he has faced and 11 goals he's conceded. So it, it actually, last night, improved his save percentage a huge amount, but it's still not good. Still not good at all. Um, tonight, we have Europa League and Europa Conference League action. So... In the Europa League, we have eight early kickoffs and eight late kickoffs. The early kickoffs, Ren versus Maccabee Haifa, Maccabi Haifa, uh, Leverkusen versus Hacken, Union St. Jalouse versus Toulouse, Union St. Jalouse versus Toulouse, Sheriff Tiraspol against Roma, Panikonitos against Villarreal, Servette against Slavia Prague, Quarabag against Molde, and last against Liverpool. So Liverpool began their campaign at quarter to six. I've done a little preview of that on the Daily Red, but the better preview is the AI scouted that Carl Matchett and Guy Drinkle did in my absence, which you can find on Anfield Index. Uh, in the 8 p.m. kickoffs, it's Atalanta against Rakow, Sturmgratz against Sporting, Ajax against Marseille, Rangers against Real Betis. That one should be interesting. Olympiacos versus Freiburg. Sparta Prague versus Aris Limassol. West Ham United versus Baca Topola. And Brighton versus AEK Athens, which I think should be a good game. That's the one I'm going to watch just because it's Brighton. But, I mean, Olympiacos Freiburg could be interesting. Rangers Betis will be interesting. Sporting are always worth a watch because Amaran plays good football. Ajax Marseille is the big game of the of the evening, without question. Um, and Atalanta are always worth a watch. So a lot of good games, a lot of watchable games in the late kickoffs. In the early kickoffs, I'll obviously be watching Liverpool. But if you don't fancy Liverpool, I do highly recommend watching Bayer Leverkusen because Xabi Alonso has them playing really nice football as well worth a watch. And Florian Wirtz himself is just always worth a watch. In the Europa League, there are another 16 games. Actually, I missed one yesterday. I don't know how. There's 15 games today. Uh, Lille beat Olympija 2-0 last night in the Europa League. Jonathan David and Yusuf Yasiki, uh scoring the goals there. We have seven, no, we have eight uh, quarter to six kickoffs and seven 8 p.m. kickoffs. So, quarter to six, Ferenc Varosh versus Kukariki, HJK versus PAOK, Genk versus Fiorentina, Legia Warsaw versus Aston Villa. So, if you're looking for Villa's game, it's a quarter to six kickoff as well. Zarinsky versus AZ Alkmaar, Fenerbahce versus Nordelsjan. I do recommend watching Nordelsjan because there's always a couple of really exciting players there. Eindrick Frankfurt versus Aberdeen and Ludogorets versus Spartak Trnava. In the late kickoffs, it's Slovan Bratislava versus the Norwegian team whose name I can't pronounce. Uh, someone said they're from the Faroe Islands, actually. Let me just let me just have a look at this. Are they from the Faroe Islands? Maybe they're from the Faroe Islands.
They are from the Faroe Islands. I've been calling them Norwegian. Oh, dear. They are the Faroe Islands Premier League champions. And they've won it 20 times in total. Probably should have looked this up weeks ago when I was calling them a Norwegian team. They've got some Danes, some Norwegians, a Serb. They've got Luke Cassie, who is an Ivorian. Latif Ahmad, who's Ghanaian. There's one Swede in the squad. Notable players. Don't know any of them. Magne Hossett is their manager. I do remember him as a player. Anyway, yeah, they're they're from the Faroe Islands. Uh, so they are playing Slovan Bratislava. Uh, Lugano versus Bodo Glimt. Dinamo Zagreb versus Astana. Maccabi Tel Aviv versus Brioblik. Club Bruges versus Besiktas. Zoria Luhansk versus Ghent. And Victoria Pleasant versus Balkany. Honestly, Club Bruges, Besiktas is the only game there that I would even bother watching and I'm not going to watch it. I'm going to watch some of the Europa League games instead. Um, But still, lots of good football today. Uh, 31 games in total. 16 in the early slot. So you've got plenty of options and then 15 in the late slot. So again, plenty of options. No excuses for not watching a game today. None. And that is that. So... It is Thursday, which means it's questions day. So we'll jump in and see what we've got. Uh, AMK2889. If you had to pick a logo or silhouette, similar to Jerry West's silhouette for the NBA, for the following leagues and competitions, what moment or player silhouette would you choose? So Major League Baseball. Um... I think Babe Ruth calling his shot is is the iconic moment. But you could look at, like, he's not, he's a great player. He's not good enough to warrant the the moment. But maybe, like, Tory Hunter robbing a, a home run over the wall, something like that. Ken Griffey Jr. is my favorite baseball player of all time. So his silhouette maybe would make a cool one. Uh, NFL, it would have to be Brady. But I've always had a, a, a penchant for running backs. So Barry Sanders or or Old Sweetness. Barry Sanders is, the, is was the first NFL player that I remember thinking, wow. Like, I, and I didn't know a whole lot about the sport at the time, but I remember watching Barry Sanders and been blown away. And then watching retrospective footage of Walter Payton, what a machine he was for the for the Bears in the seventies and eighties. Um, I'd probably go with one of those two. I'll say I'll say Barry Sanders just as a personal favorite, but the obvious one is Brady. Just don't know if that silhouette would look all that cool. Um, NHL it would have to be Gretzky, I think. 
I mean, Bobby Orr is the one I would go for because, like, obviously Gretzky is the great one. But from what I've seen, and again, hockey is not a sport I understand greatly. I love watching it. Don't really know what's going on at certain times, but it's so much fun to watch. But watching old footage of Bobby Orr, like, the guy was an absolute machine. To be the best defensive player in the league for that long, given he's undersized as a defensive player, and also just continually score at a high level, like loads of goals, loads of assists every year, well over 100 points for six straight years, one year at 101, but he'd missed a bunch of games. But six straight years over 100 is incredible for a defensive player. Most 100-point seasons by a defensive player, the only player to win four major NHL awards in one season, the Hart, Norris, Art Ross, and Con Smith, as well as the only player to win the Norris and Art Ross in one year, which is absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, I think I'd go with him. Oh, do you know what? I wouldn't. I tell. I've only just seen this. Um, I'm not going to say what it is because I don't upset anybody who's you know. I'm not going to make this podcast political. But go to uh, personal life on his Wikipedia and just read the the last uh, entry. And uh, yeah, Bobby or um, a, a player I've admired. Not that I know again a ton about ice hockey, but a player I did really admire. Um, it's just gone way down in my estimation. So we're going to make it Wayne Gretzky then. Um, the Premier League, it has to be Henri. It has to be Henri. He's the best player. He's the greatest Premier League player ever. Now, obviously, Cristiano and Suarez have had greater careers and were greater players. But for Cristiano, the vast majority of that came at Real Madrid. For Suarez, he had those great years at Liverpool. But again, it was Barcelona where... He kind of went up a level. Henri will be the pick. But Alan Shearer's goal celebration is probably the one they'd go with. Because it's, you know who, who it is when you see the hand up in the air. What a crap celebration. Like, you, you scored that many goals, you couldn't have come up with something better. Um, The Bundesliga. It would have to be Beckenbauer striding out of defence. would have to be. La Liga. I mean, Cristiano's Sue celebration would make the easiest silhouette. But, I mean, ideally it should be Messi just, you know, squared up about to dribble past 12 players. Um, Cristiano's silhouette would lend itself the best, though. Syria. I mean, it, it should be Maradona, but Rude Hullet, Rude Hullet, like late eighties, Rude Hullet would make a very cool silhouette. But it should be Maradona. 
Legal. Um, Michelle Platini. Michelle Platini, without question. Ari Divizzi. Cruyff. Has to be Cruyff. On the Cruyff turn, <clears throat> that would be the one. Liga Portugal, uh, Eusebio is the obvious pick for me. The World Cup, it would have to be Pele. I think it has to be. Pele is the most iconic World Cup performer, so it would have to be Pele. Uh, Copa America, I mean, again, Maradona's the one that springs to mind, but that's just, you know, he's the best South American player of all time. Um, He didn't win a Copa America. Let's see. I mean, maybe maybe you go old school and you go with a Uruguayan from back in the 1910s or 20s, considering their dominance. That would be probably the best way to do it. I mean, of the first 10, they won six. So... Just, there's probably somebody that played on, you know, five or six of them. Um, it is funny that Brazil in the Pele era never had any success in the competition. They got to the final a couple of times. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe R9. Maybe or 9 is the guy to go with for this. His silhouette, arms splayed, running, kind of sells itself. He won it twice, runner-up another time. Yeah, maybe him. Maybe, yeah, we'll go or 9 uh, The Euros. Van Basten's volley. It would have to be Van Basten's volley for me. I, I, that's what I would go with. Van Basten's volley in 88. That would be, that's the the best volley I've ever seen. And play, people have scored similar enough goals, but nothing like that. So yeah, Van Basten's volley for that. Um, right. LFC Station, question for the pod. Have you watched Last Chance You on Netflix, both the American football and basketball series. I have watched some of it, not all of it. I do very much enjoy it. Uh, if so, do you think these type of docuseries following the lives of athletes trying to become professionals are better than watching, for example, the All or Nothing football docuseries? Right, well, All or Nothing is a little bit too produced for me. Just a little bit too produced. Doesn't have that rawness. I always preferred the older episode, the older seasons of Hard Knocks, where it did have that rawness. Now, the latest season with the Jets, very clearly quite heavily edited, um, a bit more along the All or Nothing. But I do, I do very much enjoy the All or Nothing docs. I haven't watched the one about the German national team yet, uh, but I've seen every other one that they've done on, on every different sport. So um, I, I am looking forward to to watching. It's a shame that no Premier League club was willing to sign up to do it this year, but um, I've watched the one with the Cardinals, the Rams, the Cowboys, the Panthers, 
the Eagles. Again, weird that no NFL team signed up. I really like the one with the Michigan Wolverines. The Brazilian national team one was good. Like I say, I haven't watched the, uh, the the German national team. Uh, City, Spurs and Arsenal, they're all they're very good. They're just heavily produced. My guess is there'll be one next year because they've done them kind of every two years. So maybe there's one next year. Uh, the Juventus one is good. The All Blacks one is good. And the Maple Leafs one is really good. So they are very good. But yeah, I do kind of prefer the realness that comes with those Last Chance You type of shows. I very much enjoyed that show Quarterback that was on Netflix recently where they went round following um, Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, the Hawaiian fella that was playing for the Hawks, number two overall pick. Name is just completely escaping my head. He was number two behind Jameis Winston in his draft. Jameis Winston. Twenty fifteen. Uh Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota. Um He signed with the Eagles for this year. He should have been I shouldn't not necessarily should have been, but I, I did think he would be uh, a much better pro than he has been. Um, but obviously it's tough. But it was really good to watch because you've got Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league, the best player in the league. Cousins is kind of that middle of the pack, solid starter. You know what you're going to get with him. He might get you to the playoffs, but he's not going to win you a Super Bowl. And then Mariota was, you know, he... Obviously, it hadn't worked out in Tennessee. He'd been a backup in Vegas, and he was trying to still keep his career going. So you had three guys at three different stages of their NFL careers, three guys on very different levels. So I found that one really interesting. And it has been renewed. Peyton Manning has confirmed that it has been... Assume it's Peyton Manning, not Eli Manning. Uh, that the series had been renewed for a second season. So interested to see who they go with this time. Um, if I could pick, if I could pick, I'd be quite interested in seeing Josh Allen as the kind of elite level quarterback, um, a middle of the pack guy, maybe someone like Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee, and then maybe like a Russell Wilson. I don't think he'd be willing to do it, but I'd be really interested to watch it. If not Tannehill, Geno Smith would be... Actually, Geno Smith's a more interesting story because he was basically washed out of the league and has completely reinvented himself and now looks like the guy that he looked like when he was in in college. Um, So Josh Allen, Geno Smith, Russell Wilson would be really interested in that third spot because... He's obviously been a pro bowler, an all pro, Super Bowl champion with the Seahawks. But now, like, he is literally a couple of games away from being benched forever because he's been dreadful since he got traded to the Broncos. So he'd be interesting. Um, Maybe... 
I mean, Matt Ryan's a free agent. If if he got picked up, he'd be an interesting because he he's right at the tail end of his career, obviously. Um, who else? Let's see what other Baker Mayfield. I think he's a bit of an arsehole personally. Um, now I could be wrong. Maybe he's a nice guy, but he, he comes across a bit of an arsehole. Uh, two would be interesting. Mac Jones, I I just find quite dull. Do you know, actually, Zach Wilson, it won't be this season, and Zach Wilson's probably out of the league after this year, but Zach Wilson would have been interesting because he went into the year as the backup to Rodgers. Rodgers tore his his Achilles, and now Wilson's going to launch back in, and he's the quarterback the Jets don't really want. Um, Lamar Burrow would be interesting. But like he'd have to be in the star role, as would Lamar. I, I, I Deshaun Watson. I, I just I've no interest in, in hearing anything that he has to say. Perhaps, perhaps the pick would be Kenny Pickett for the third one, young quarterback trying to make his way in the league with the Steelers, noted for his leadership. Maybe I think he might top out as a Kirk Cousins type. Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins. Is it Kirk or Kurt? I think it's Kirk. Yeah, Kirk Cousins. Um, yeah, Kenny Pickett, Geno Smith, and one of Alan Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, Lamar, The kid with the Chargers is really good as well. Um, can't think of his name, which is very annoying. Justin, Justin something, Justin Herbert, yeah. But the the, the Chargers aren't really relevant or good enough to be warranting something like that. So go Geno Smith, Kenny Pickett, and Josh Allen. I think that would be re- or, or Joe Burrow. I think that would be really interesting. Uh, I don't really think that answered your question, but. Yeah, I I do I do agree. <laughs> I think I did answer your question and then gave you the answer to a question you didn't ask. But there you go. Uh I personally think Welcome to Wrexham is better than the All or Nothing. I love Welcome to Wrexham. I think it's been such a refreshing show to keep an eye on. I'm delighted that they're back for another season. I haven't started it yet. Um so I am looking forward to watching it. What are we? We're three episodes in. I'm going to wait till it's over, and then I'll binge the whole lot of it. But I am excited to watch it. Season one was brilliant; like it really was brilliant. And Wrexham are just an interesting story to watch, you know, because I haven't seen this done before. Uh, they're fourth in League Two after eight games: four wins, three draws, and one defeat. They've won their last three in a row. So I'm I'm enjoying, you know, what Wrexham are doing this season. Obviously, they went out of the EFL Cup, but they're still in the Football League trophy. Um, yeah, and I I don't know I, I I like Ryan Reynolds. I like Rob McElhenney. I've been fans of theirs for years, so I I am enjoying it. I am I'm very much enjoying the the whole Wrexham thing. Um. Right, on to 
Isaac Gilding. Two questions for this week. Best and worst single game performances for these players. Oh dear, it's a long list. Uh, I'm not going to give you worst because I'd have to have seen every single game, but I'll give you best that I've seen for as many of them as I can. Uh, second question, who had the best individual season in the championship? For me, it's Ivan Tony. I think Ivan Tony's season with Brentford was spectacular. And I think he just looked such a class above everybody else. 31 goals in 45 games. And the biggest thing about it was, it was his first season playing at that level. That's why I would put Ivan Tony's ahead of Mitrovic, ahead of, you know, Adel Trapped and people that have had great seasons over the years, uh, ahead of Jokerez, who had a great season there for Coventry. I would go Ivan Tony because he'd never played. He played very briefly two Premier League games for Newcastle in 15-16. Other than that, his entire career had been League 2 and League 1. Keep that in mind. Ivan Tony. Up until the end of the 1920 season, so the pandemic, Ivan Tony had only ever played two games above League One. And now we look at Ivan Tony as a potential 60, 70 million pound footballer. So it just, just does go to show that development isn't always linear. There are real gems to be found in the lower leagues. Sometimes it's more about environment. It's about nurture over nature. Player just needs to find the right fit, the right coach, the right style of play and the right group around them. And they can really show what they're capable of. Now, Ivan Tony was fantastic for Peterborough. But before that, he had been a little bit hit and miss. You know, he'd had some good loans, but he'd had some that hadn't gone as well as was hoped. Like the Barnsley loan didn't go great. The Shrewsbury loan was okay. The Scunthorpe loan was pretty good. The Wigan loan wasn't great. The second Scunthorpe loan went really well. That earned him the move to Peterborough. First season, 23 and 55. Good, not great. 16 and 44 in the league. Good, not great. The second season, 26 and 39. 24 and 32 in the league. Outstanding. League one. Gets bought by Brentford, so goes up a division and bangs in 33 goals in 52 games, 31 and 45 in the league. Gets them promoted into the Premier League, 14 and 37. Good, not great. 12 and and 33 in the league. Again, good, not great. Would have had double figures assists if uh, Brian and Bomo could have finished that year. But then last season, he gets 20 and 33 in the league. 21 and 35 in all competitions. His creative numbers go up as well because players around him start finishing better. But, you know, when Ivan Tony made his name at Northampton, 13-14 season was, you know, sort of his, his introductory year. He scores three goals in 15 games, playing spar- sparingly. The next season, then he gets 10 and 44. And he's a young player. And, you know, it's League Two, but it's still exciting. He's 18, 19 years of age and gets the move to Newcastle. That just was the wrong move. It was too big a jump for him at that point. So he gets loaned repeatedly to League One sides. He gets the field for League One. Then he explodes with Peterborough. Then he goes to the championship, doesn't need to get the field for it, just explodes and 
Now he's in the Premier League, and last season he was absolutely outstanding. He was the third best striker in the league last season, after Erling Haaland and Harry Kane, who are two of the best in the world. And if I was Spurs, I would be putting a large, large amount of money on the table for Ivan Tony come January to replace Harry Kane. He's still only 27. He'll be 28 in March. You'll get four really, really good years out of him. And he makes everyone around him better. And he cares as well, which is important. Um, right, on to the rest of this question. So, best single game performances for these players. So, we start with Mo Salah. Um, I think Salah versus Watford when he scored the four goals. That would be the one I'd go to for Salah. Liverpool won 5-0. He was just outrageous. Absolutely outrageous that day. Tore them apart. Could have had five or six himself. Set up a bunch of chances for other people. He was just completely unplayable. Completely unplayable on the day. Um... And I, you felt you had to feel a little bit sorry for Kinesius, the Watford goalkeeper, for Britos, the left centre back, and Holobas, the left wing back. They just got tortured by a player who was on, on absolutely on fire at the time. Uh, KDB. Hmm. I, I remember he was brilliant for City against Liverpool once. Was it, was it 18, 19? He was sensational. Um, it was a game against Chelsea a few years ago where he was, he was absolutely everywhere. Even, even off the ball, he was incredible that game. Last season's Champions League, that we had a couple of games that were just incredible. I want to say, yeah. I, I want to say it was the Real Madrid game last season, the semi final, the 4 0. I think I think I'd go with that. I think he was just unplayable. He just he just toyed with them. Now he'd been he'd been great in the away leg as well. So I'll I'll, I'll go the home leg, but the away leg gets the goal to drag them back into it. Um. So I'll go with him. I'll go with that. They'll go with that rather the the second leg against Real. Diego Maradona. Um. The obvious one to pick is is the World Cup quarterfinal against England. But the World Cup final that same year in 86 was absolutely outrageous. Um, I've seen some games when he was at when he was in Argentina before he moved to Europe. And there's one that's on YouTube. It's it's Argentina's juniors against Boca Juniors. And it is utterly ridiculous how how good he was 
Um, I'll go with... I'll go with La- Napoli versus Lazio in 85 for Maradona. That's the one I'll go with. That's He'd come from Barcelona. There were some questions and some doubts over whether he you know, had fallen off, whether he was worth the hype, etc., etc. I'll go with that. Frank Ribery is an easy one for me. Uh, there's a Super Cup final against Chelsea that he played for Bayern, and he was just disgustingly good. Thierry Henry, I can't remember the year. It's Arsenal versus Spurs. Arsenal battered them, and he started doing keepy-uppies in the middle of the field. Um, he had a couple of performances against Liverpool. Actually, do you know what? There was, there was a couple of games against Liverpool where he just embarrassed us. Um Let's see if I can if I can find the specific one where he made Carragher just fall over. Is that it? Is that the hat trick against Liverpool April two thousand and four? Yeah, we'll go with that one. April two thousand and four. Uh, the hat trick versus Liverpool. Just he was just so good. It was actually sickening how good he was. Robin van Persie. Arsenal versus Charlton. I remember him having an unbelievable game at the Valley. I'll go with that. Zidane. There's a game for Bordeaux in their UEFA Cup run. It's the Milan second leg, isn't it? I'm fairly certain it's the Milan second leg where he's just disgustingly good. Just that quarterfinal. It's the home game after they lost the first leg 2-0 and were expected to just kind of roll over. He was incredible. There was a couple of games for Juventus as well. I remember one against Roma would have been maybe 98 and he just schooled them. His World Cup final performance was amazing as well. Uh, Badastuta. Let's have a look. The hat-trick against Greece in the World Cup is fairly special. 
I remember he tortured Arsenal in a Champions League game. I'll go with that. I'll go with the game against Arsenal because it's the one that does kind of ping clearly. Sadio Mane. Oh, there's a couple here. Away to Bayern in the Champions League, though, in the Champions League, was it quarterfinal? I think it was a quarterfinal of the Champions League. Do you Liverpool won it? We'll go with that. Uh, Luis Suarez, either Norwich at home, Norwich away, Norwich away again at the Arsenal game where he didn't score, but he was just ridiculous. The Everton 4-0 where he was just ridiculous. There's a multitude of games for Barcelona. I'll go with the, the, uh, the, the Anfield demolition of, of Norwich. I'll go with it because it was just silly how good he was. Like, it was absolutely silly how good he was that day. He scores four. Three of them are absolute worldies, and the other one's actually a great finish. So we'll go with it. Thiago Alcantara, Champions League final for Bayern against PSG. He's otherworldly in that game. Thomas Muller. Thomas Muller. 2010 World Cup Muller was incredible and the Argentina game where they tortured them was that the semi-final no it wasn't the semi-finals when did they play Argentina was it a group stage game No, it was quarterfinal, quarterfinal game. He scored early and then ran the game. Yeah, we'll go with that. We'll go with Thomas Muller, uh, Germany against Argentina in 94. Um, who have we got next on this list? Arjen Robin. The best game I ever saw Aryan Robin play. And again, he, he might have had better performances than this, but because he, he did have some, like, he obviously it was incredible for Bayern for years and years and years. But I remember watching him for Chelsea and just thinking, this guy is completely and utterly unstoppable. And in his first season there, he was just so devastating that no matter what, you just couldn't live with him. Was it... Was it the Fulham game? I think it's that Fulham game. In November of 04, Chelsea went 4-1 away. And I'm almost certain that's the game where every time he picks the ball up, he just runs past two and three players. I'll go with that, but there's probably there's probably better. Uh Mesut also.
I would say and this might be there might be better but I'm going to say the 09 German Cup final Werder beat Leverkusen 1-0 he played in a midfield with Frank Baum and Torsten Frings and Diego and he was just a different class he was only a kid at the time he's 21 he was so good so so good in that Werder team now there are games in the 2010 World Cup where he was also stupidly good, like genuinely stupidly good. The, the the demolition of England, he's incredible. The win over Argentina, he's phenomenal. They were unfortunate in that World Cup against Spain. If, if Spain hadn't been as good, that German team was winning back-to-back World Cups because obviously they won it in 14, but they were the second best team at that World Cup. But then if if Suarez had played against the Netherlands, I think Uruguay would have gotten through to the final. And Uruguay, because of Suarez, because of Cavani, because of how they set up and how they played, could well have won that World Cup. Um, Also, I'll go the online cup final or that game against England because he just, he tormented them. They couldn't find him on the pitch. Manuel Nauer, for me, it's still Schalke against Manchester United in the Champions League. Before he went to Bayern, he was incredible. Uh, Robert Lewandowski, it's the outrageous, 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 was it five goals in nine minutes or something? Uh, Lewandowski. What game was that? Wolfsburg. Wolfsburg, eight years ago. September 22nd, 2015. Eight years ago tomorrow, actually. So that's decent timing. Um, five goals in nine minutes. It just is ridiculous. Ridiculous. And, and there's loads of great Lewandowski games, but I don't think there's anything better than that. Oh, I missed man. Um, I missed, um, I missed Gigi Buffon. Um, Jesus. That's a long career. There's some games at Parma that would stand out more than anything else because because he was young then and it was you were paying more attention once he was great great it was kind of expected that he was going to do what he did um hmm i will go April 20th, 99. Parma at home to Atletico Madrid, semi-final second leg of the UEFA Cup. I'm almost certain I'm right in saying he made three outrageous saves in this game and just organises defence completely perfectly. 
I think I'm right in saying that. I could be completely wrong. But I, I think I'm right in saying that that's that game. They're missing Cannavaro. And he was massive. Um, but there's a bunch of games when he's at Juve. There's a bunch of games for the Italian national team. There's games, actually, to be fair, the, the 2006 World Cup, there's there's just some performances by Buffon in that competition that were just second to none. Like, Italy... Italy weren't the best team in that World Cup. Not not even by, a, like, a long stretch. But he was just... He was at the absolute peak of his powers at that point. The Australia game, he was great. Ukraine, even though they won 3-0, comfortable, but he was still great. Semi-final against the, against the Germans, he was so, so good. And then obviously in the final as well. Like the only goal he conceded in the knockout phase was that penalty in the final to Zidane. Other than that, he was he was unbeatable in the knockout phase. Or in the yeah, in the knockout phase. Um and if you look at their group, like they conceded two goals in the whole tournament. One was a penalty. And one was an own goal. So no opposition player scored against them from open play in the competition. And that's fairly special. Plays every minute. Yeah. I, I, do you know what? I'm just going to give him the 06 World Cup as a whole. That's I'm just, just as a whole. David Beckham. I don't know. David Beckham. It's not the Greece game. Loads we bring up the Greece game. It was garbage in the Greece game. And like the free kick is incredible, but he missed about five before that. He wasn't good in that game. Um But it's it's the one that's famous because of that of that free kick goal. Like that's the thing people always look at. But he wasn't—he wasn't particularly good in that game at all. The Athletic have done a rewind, and you know, I, you just know it's going to be garbage. Who wrote it? Michael Cox. I mean, the fellow with the worst opinions on football I've ever read. I'm a man who said Zidane is hugely overrated. I just cannot take his opinions on football in any way seriously. It's like saying Messi is overrated. Um, For Beckham, I will go... Do you know what? I'm going to go with the, the final day of the season, the year they won the treble. He was He was incredible. Dragged them back into the game. Although his performance in the final of the Champions League that year was amazing as well. So he played centre midfield, which wasn't his natural year, or his natural role. 
I'll go with that, actually. I'll go with the 99 Champions League final because he played out of position. They got completely outplayed and he just tracked runners, tackled, fought for absolutely everything. So I'll go with him. I'll go with that. That's what I'll go with. Um, Right. I'm going to take a break. And when we come back, we will do the news and we will do the gossip. So I'll see you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So, um, Saudi Arabian Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman says he does not care about accusations of sports washing. If sports washing is going to increase my GDP by 1%, then we'll continue doing sports washing. I don't care about the term. I have 1% growth in GDP from sport, and I'm aiming for another one5 Call it what you want. We're going to get that 1.5%. That's certainly a statement. Um, Camille Grabara has been sent death threats after posting a derogatory comment about Galatasaray on social media. The ex-Liverpool player used an expletive to refer to Galatasaray before editing the post to use a similar expletive to describe the game. Oh, wow. Not great. He <laughs> he told reporters before the game that he'd heard Fenerbahce fans are better than Galatasaray fans. What a lunatic. He is he's a very, very talented goalkeeper. And obviously he'll join Wolfsburg uh at the uh, for next summer. Um I think he's gonna have a really good career. I'm still annoyed that Liverpool sold him. I think he's a better goalkeeper than Queen Keller. Uh, Tottenham chairman Daniel Levy is open to selling his stake in the club. Uh, he is a major shareholder in Enoch. Um, and, and they obviously, they own the club. Um, yeah, I mean, there's been talk for a while now about Spurs, both him and Joe Lewis potentially selling their shares and maybe selling the club and, and moving on to do something else. Burnley boss Vincent Company says clubs like Manchester United are only ever one loss from crisis. I assume they're playing United soon. Um, let's see. I assume it's actually that they're playing them this weekend, isn't it? Yes, they're playing this weekend. A late kickoff on a Saturday night. He's just trying to get some some mind games going. Um, Lionel Messi was forced off after 39 minutes in his return to action for Inter-Miami as his teammates sealed a 4-0 win over Toronto FC. Uh, He was absent from the 5-2 defeat by Atlanta at the weekend because of fatigue and could now miss next week's US Open Cup final against Houston Dynamo. Well, hopefully, hopefully he's okay. He won't play this weekend. Same as Alba, he's also in. Jordi Alba is also injured, but they're hopeful that they'll be back for the final on Wednesday. Um, I'm guessing maybe this is a little bit of gamesmanship, so you know they don't want him to play at the weekend so it doesn't get hurt. It was it was still nil nil to be fair when he was taken off? Toronto were not particularly good this year, though, were they? No, Toronto are garbage this year. Um, 
Toronto were great while I was living there, and they've been pretty garbage since. I just just goes to show. Um, Brendan Rogers says he's left wanting more from the club's summer business, and he's already looking to the January transfer window. Rogers replied no when asked if he was content with the changes to his squad. I think if you ask any manager, they'll always be wanting more. Do you know what I want? I want a different manager at Celtic is what I want. So I just don't like Brendan Rodgers at all. Uh, Manchester United goalkeeper Andre Onana says he has let the team down and that they failed to get a result against Bayern Munich because of him. Well, it, it's true. He was he was dreadful. Um, but he's been dreadful in pretty much all the games so far since he joined. So, you know, you have that. Uh, on to the gossip then. Borussia Dortmund have no interest in, in re-signing Jadon Sancho. I think that would change if they were offered him on loan. United's start of the Premier League season has done little to prospect, prospect to has done little to convince prospective buyers Jim Ratcliffe and Sheik Jassim to close their gap on the valuations. The club is not for sale at the moment. Liverpool are keen to sign Rodrigo if Mo Salah leaves in January. Salah's not going to leave in January, but I think Rodrigo will be on a on a long uh, a long list of players they'll look at for next summer. Uh, Jacques Paulinha has no release clause in his contract. Um, that's according to Football Insider, so we'll just throw that in the bin. Tottenham's buyback clause for Harry Kane is believed to just give them first refusal if he was to return to the Premier League rather than setting a transfer. It's not a buyback clause, then. Any return to Spurs is likely to rest on whether Kane thinks he can work with Daniel Levy again. He's only just left... He's not going to come back anytime soon. Spurs are ready to offer Sung Hyung Min a new deal to extend his stay past 2025. That's interesting. It is from 90minute.com, though, so probably crap. Chelsea are set to receive a 400 million cash injection from US investment firm Aris Management towards their new stadium and other projects. Might be time for the Premier League to do a little bit of digging. Might be time for the Premier League to just dig into what's going on at Chelsea. This is apparently a preferred equity deal. Is this the same group that John Terry is meant to be part of? I'm not sure. Aris Management. Don't know anything about them. Anthony Resler. Oh, he's the guy that's part of Apollo Global with, um, oh, Josh Harris. Yeah. I don't know if he's still, is he still there? He might be gone from there. He was one of the founders. Uh, he's the principal owner of the Atlanta Hawks. Is he part owner of the Milwaukee Brewers as well? It would appear that he is part owner of the Milwaukee Brewers as well. Um, okay. Aris Management, what else have they got going for them? Nothing mentioning any other investment in sport directly, but obviously if he's at it and some of the other people probably are, they're headquartered in LA, which would give them 
you know, proximity to Bowley. Um, the investment will help turn the Blues into a multi-club organisation and reduce the wage bill at Stamford Bridge. I'm not sure how it would help reduce the wage bill, maybe by funneling players to other clubs. Uh, City are set to sign Manchester. Uh, sorry, City are set to sign seventeen-year-old England midfielder, or sixteen-year-old England midfielder, Divine Mukasa from West Ham. Uh, City they're also trying to sign Valentin Barco. They've turned down loan offers from Oscar Bob for Oscar Bob from Ajax and Porto. He's so talented. I hope he gets opportunities this year. PSG's Hugo Ekatiki is prepared to fight for his future at the. French champions. They've just signed Gincalo Ramos and Randall Colomuani. They've just told you you don't have a future here. So I think I think you might want to uh you might want to consider going and doing something else. Um Huddersfield are set to appoint former Sheffield Wednesday boss Darren Moore having parted ways with Neil Warnock. So, obviously, um, Darren Moore was was at West Brom, was strangely, strangely let go, I would say. Um, And then, obviously, they haven't done very well since. He got Sheffield Wednesday promoted, and then he left... In the middle of the summer, they failed to agree uh, on a new deal. Now, the owner of Sheffield Wednesday is a, a very unusual individual. Um, Warnock obviously took over at Huddersfield and did a great job. And now has decided to step away, uh, whether he's going back into retirement or, or what it is. He signed a new one-year deal in the summer and then last week there was a statement released that the weekend was going to be his final game in charge um i don't know what he's going to do from here on he had announced his retirement in april of 2022 No manager has ever managed more games than Neil Warnock, which is incredible, really. In in England, I should say, in England. Uh, 1,890. He's been a manager for 42 years. Now, he's had some breaks in between, but not many, and not many long ones. The longest break he had was obviously after Middlesbrough, before Huddersfield. I assume he's just decided he's going to retire now. 40-odd years, though, is incredible. And, like, I know there's a lot of people don't like him and whatever, but it's a hell of a career. It really is. Won the championship in 2010-11. Won the conference with Scarborough in... 1986-87. Other than that, all his promotions have either been as runner-up or as um, through the playoffs. One, two, three, four-time playoff winner. Twice runner-up in the championship. One-time winner of the championship. 
Burton Albion, Scarborough, Notts County, Torquay, Huddersfield, Plymouth, Oldham, Bury, Sheffield United, Crystal Palace, QPR, Leeds, Palace again, QPR again, Rotherham, Cardiff, Borough, and Huddersfield. It's a hell of a run. Just over a 40% win percentage. Won six, 760 of his 1,890 games. 499 draws and 631 defeats. Um, Darren Moore is a, is a decent manager. Like I, I think he did a, a pretty good job at West Brom. I think he's done... He did, sorry, did a really good job, obviously, then with Sheffield Wednesday to get them promoted. And they've started the season horribly. They're currently sitting second from bottom with two points from seven games. Uh, Huddersfield have had a decent enough start. They've got eight points from their seven games, two wins, two draws, three defeats. So it's at least something to build off. And, and you know, Warnock has put a decent a dis- decent uh, bit of discipline in place. Uh, yeah, not not a bad move. Uh, Vincenzo Montella is set to be appointed the new Turkish national team coach. And Manchester United are set to reward Joe Hugel with a new contract after a an impressive preseason. Um, he's quite highly rated. Don't know if don't know if he's going to make the grade at United. Um, came through the Newcastle and Sunderland academies before joining United a couple of years ago as a 17-year-old. I remember watching this Liverpool and he was really, really good. That was his first year there. Spent time on loan with Altrincham last year. Best of luck. Congrats on the contract. Always good to see young players getting opportunities. And that is it. That's all I have for today, folks. So I will see you tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.